Attention, Pokemon players. You are listening to Triple P, the Pittsburgh Pokemon podcast. I am your host, Jake Abrams, alongside Nick Yurko, a.k.a. the Duke of Hobbies. Nick, how are we doing today? Jake, me and you are super excited right now. Yes. I know why you're excited, and I, I, and you know why I'm excited. Yes. <laughs> yes, we I have, do. <laughs> we, uh, as of this recording, yesterday, we had an amazing, an amazing pack opening. Uh, we did live, which then uh, we didn't know our live internet was cutting in and out on us. But this is horrible. <laughs> It wouldn't be it wouldn't be a Duke of Hobby stream without technical difficulties. Um, but we pulled the Rainbow Chew from Vivid Voltage, and yes. I am just still pumped about that. My my partner, she is so sick and tired of me here telling her about that, that we <laughs> Donkey Chew, and uh, she's she's like, okay, I get it. You you pulled an awesome card. I'm like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> Yeah, so so the thing is, this card looks pristine to me. I mean, I know I'm not a, uh, a professional like, card grader, but it looks like it legit has a chance for a 10, at minimum 9. Yeah. Uh, so I'm super pumped. And you know, it was funny because I, we were just starting, and it was my first pack, and I'm like, okay, and you know, we're trying to go for the Chunky Chew, and bam, there it goes. Yeah. You called it, you said it, and it was like two cards later. And then the worst part is... Yeah. On camera, it cuts right it there. It literally cut right as I said, we're looking for Chunky Chew. It cut right there, and then it, it opened back up right after we had a reaction. <laughs> so we lost that on camera, which is very, very depressing. Um, but it was overall, it was great. Uh, had fun opening uh, cards, pulled a few good cards. Uh, Chunky Chew, obviously the highlight, got a, a, another VMAX Chunky Chew. Um, but no, uh, the card opening battles, a fun structure we've been doing, just kind of having point scale, uh, kind of a battle thing. I think it's a little di- uh, interesting and different from everybody else. Um, and I can't wait to con- continue and do more uh, whenever, you know, the next sets come out. Mm-hmm. But enough about us and opening cards and Chunky Chew. We have a special guest here today. Right. Someone who handles tournaments like no other and has been keeping, in my mind, one of the big proponents for definitely in the Americas, uh, keeping competitive play very much alive. And that is Matty Chill TCG. <laughs> what's, what's going on, guys? Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> oh, thank you for yeah, coming thank on. Thank you for again. coming on. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. So, um, you know, like uh, everyone knows the name Till GCG. I mean, I, uh, it was pretty quick, even in my career getting into the game, uh, all of a sudden it's like, Hey, pay attention to chill, uh, follow chill, you know? And so, you know, we are all excited about that, you know, but, you know, do you have anything you want to let the, the community know that they might not know about you right now? You know, just, um, you know, just kind of, and like, how did you get into the game in, in general? Yeah. I mean, for sure. Uh, it's funny because, you know, I, I haven't been in the game for too, too long. So I actually was a very big, you know, video game player, VGC player for a long time. Um, and I played that for years and years. I was just always a big Pokemon fan my whole life. Um, and when I was younger, I was definitely very much into Pokemon cards, but got away from it for a while. Um, and it was about a year ago, actually, where I started collecting Pokemon cards again and, and getting into the game. Um, and it really started when my friend Justin was like, hey, you know, 
do you, we should start like you know buying and, and opening pokemon cards together and i was like yeah i mean that sounds awesome uh, i was like but if we do that i want to play right um and i quickly got into competitive and playing and ptcgo and everything um and uh it's 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 interesting because as i was getting into it the whole pandemic happened right and as i was looking to go and play in these tournaments to try to get better um at the game competitively uh you know i just didn't really have any outlet for it um so of course you know looking online and kind of looking more into it i found that uh, there were people running online tournaments and uh people i mean the biggest credit that i can give is probably to hexter tcg uh, they were one of the first um, people to be doing it and they were very much a, a great example for us so you know i saw that and i was like that's awesome i was playing a little bit and then i was like you know what i kind of want to start running my own tournaments because there really weren't too many out there you know yeah um so i i kind of started it the first one was <laughs> it was uh it went pretty terribly. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I think anybody who can, who can, who's, you know, who's played in that tournament and, and was there at the beginning kind of knows what I'm talking about, but uh, <laughs> it, it, you know, it's, it, I don't know. It's after, you know, you do it a few times um, and, and you get good support, right. And you get a, a good team of, of admins and people that can help out. Um, and you just kind of keep doing it. And the player base kind of grew and grew. And um, that was also kind of how I started doing the YouTube stuff as well. Um, yeah. And it all kind of went together really well, and 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 uh, yeah, I don't, you know, I mean, I'm surprised that you know we have um, such a great community at the moment, oh, yeah. playing the tournaments every week. But it's definitely turned into something really awesome, you know, and I'm and I'm very grateful for that. Uh, but that was kind of how it started. Um, but uh, I mean, myself, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm 20, I'm 22, I'm about to turn 23, actually. I yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm 22. I honestly forget how old I. <laughs> I think I'm either 22 or tw- I think I'm 22. Uh, I, I, I lose track, man. I'm, oh, dude, scared. it's it's understandable. I, I do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm about so, to hit the big 3-0 here. So oh, shut up. Dang. I'm closer to 40 than 30. <laughs> uh, well, we got we got the tw- we got the 20, 30, 40 lineup going. Yeah. That's pretty good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in college, right? Just finishing up my last semester here. Uh, you know, I live in the Northeast. I'm just kind of doing my thing, man. That's awesome. Crazy. Awesome. Cool. So before we, uh, you know, kind of get into like the main um, subject as far as like uh, community run events, just events in general, and you know all the rest of the stuff, Pokemon, we kind of have a standard uh, four questions we like to ask our guests on their first time on the show. For sure. Um, so let's uh, start it off with what's your favorite starting Pokemon? Uh, for favorite starter, I gotta go with the whole Mudkip uh, Swampert lineup. So, yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm of course, you know, the age group that I'm at. My first sort of games that I got into a lot was was Gen three, uh, mm-hmm. like Ruby Sapphire. Um, and I was a Sapphire guy myself. Um, I know everybody at that time was like all up on Blaziken. Blaziken was like the coolest thing ever, and I was like, I I like Mudkip. I like Swampert. Um, and I was like, I was one of those kids that just leveled up their, their starter, their Swampert to like level 100 and yeah. level into the other Pokemon up. I did the exact same, yeah. same thing. <laughs> so that's gotta be my favorite starter of all time. There's some other ones that I like. Um, but, uh, yeah, for sure. Like that one's definitely got the most, uh, uh real quick before we go on to the next question, cause I love Swampert so much. Yeah. It's just, it's one of the frustrating things for me in TCG play is the fact that I don't get my water ground combo with Swampert I know. Like, into that game. Game, and that is just one of my core elements of why I love that Pokemon so much. Um, and so it's just like, ah, I, I wish I wish it was there. I really do. Um, <laughs> well, the, I know, the door is open. Combo. 
the door is open for that uh, that that typing combo because you know the the new battle styles kind of has that going on. They do well. I mean, they do pseudo do it already um, mm-hmm. with how they pick the weaknesses. So right. like like Swampert, I would guess would just be grass weakness. I, we're tangenting hard here, yeah. uh, but and so instead of it being weak to like electrical, like Inteleon essentially, because yeah, Swampert does not care about electrical no. um, right, at all, sure. which is yeah. So all right, I all mean right, it's <laughs> sorry, yeah, no, it's also interesting too because I think they they printed out that Blaziken card. Was it Darkness Ablaze? Where yeah. right, um, it's it's attacks count as both like fighting and and fire, so. You know, you they could definitely incorporate that in the game. Hopefully they do for you guys, because that would be huge. <laughs> that would be awesome. Okay, so uh, our second question, though, is what's your, who's your favorite Pokemon? Uh, it, it, it could, you know, for whatever reason, it could be any Pokemon. It does not have to be a starter. Yeah, for sure. This one was, this one was close, um, and uh, I'll talk about it more in, like, the next question. But for this one, I had to go with, with Seismitoad from, from Black and White from, from the Innova region. Um, nice. my, I, my first, it's such a weird pick. I know it's like, it's so strange of a Pokemon, but to me, like my favorite games were gen five, um, and, and black and white. And when I played those games and I first saw, uh, like Seismitoad, I was like, that's the funniest, like coolest looking Pokemon of all time. <laughs> yeah. With those, uh, with, uh <laughs> the seismic originator orbs or whatever the, the yeah. warts that are on it. <laughs> yeah. It's such a weird, I just, I don't know. I love it. I guess I just love water ground type Pokemon in general, but that one, I don't know. That's like the. The one I've always sort of like clinked to, I guess, for nice. for one that I like. So, Seismitoad is my pick. That's awesome. Very cool. That's awesome. Cool. So, your favorite Pokemon card in general? It doesn't have to be a Pokemon. It could be a trainer. Uh, any kind of thing uh, for right. any reason. So this was this was what I was kind of debating for the last question. So for this one, it's got to be Orbital Vmax. Everybody who knows me uh, <laughs> yep. knows that I love Orbital Vmax. Um, I just choose whenever I play in a tournament. It's not very often. I always play Orbital VMAX. It's just my favorite card right now. Uh, and like I said, I'm kind of new to the game. So, um, you know, I don't really have any like older cards that I know too, too well. Yeah. Um, but right. uh, yeah, I mean, I love Orbital VMAX. I think it's just a really fun card to play with. Um, I think it's underrated. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I just, uh, so, I so we, um, you know, I've, I've listened to your podcast and I've kind of listen to you know your success with orbital that you had recently um i i that will be coming up later in the podcast because i did actually have that written down um so we'll kind of go deep dive into that deck later on but uh, uh for now we'll just keep going with these questions uh before we go into another deep tangent <laughs> <laughs> don't uh, yeah okay fine yes, uh, yes. <laughs> all right uh so for our last question it's always a fun one uh what's the worst card in the game or what's the card that you hate the most in the game now uh, I mean, it's so it's it's a toss up. I put two down here. So of course, being a, an Orbital uh, fanboy, I guess uh, I hate Welder. Uh, I think Welder's just a it's too good of a card, and it makes fire decks really good. And yeah, somebody who plays Orbital, I I don't like Welder. Um, <laughs> but my, I guess my real answer would probably be Boss's Orders. I just really hate um, oh. sort of what it's doing to the the game right now. Um, and I, in my opinion, I feel like the majority of games come down to whether who or not has Boss's Orders in hand. Um, and uh, it's just not a way that I love to win games. It's not. A, it's it's a yeah. very common win condition, and I just I don't know. I don't like it too much. For a spread deck player, I can see that for sure because you don't really care about what's in the active. You want to kill. You know, basically just just throw a bunch of hit point or uh, damage to the to the bench and the active, so it doesn't matter. Right. Right, right. Well, th- that and and I understand too. I don't know how many games I've lost where it's like, okay, I set up myself really well. You know, yes, I have these supporter Pokemon that have gotten me, uh, and they're like, oh, never mind. I'll just knock this out, 
Um, and then they, you know, I think, I think like my big gripe with boss's orders and Jake and I have complained, I've complained to Jake about this numerous times in the past is the fact that there's no penalty to play it. Unlike supporter. Yeah. But I, I get that, but there's like, you know, like professor's research, you discard your entire hand and then draw seven cards. Um, you know, Marnie still impacts you. Marnie is not a given that it's going to work well. Uh, Malana, if you want to heal, you have to discard right. cards. Right. right, right. Uh, boss's orders, boss's orders is just straight. Get I get what it. He needs. I want See, you guys to come back to me after rotation and after ADP goes yeah. away because I think this compounded by ADP. I mean, this is another tangent that we could go on. <laughs> uh, but I think bosses is definitely worse. Uh, it feels worse with ADP in the in the meta yeah. at the moment. I, I I hear that man. I I, uh, I I just to touch on that point. Like I think uh, the card was Guzma back uh, a yes. little while ago before rotation. Even something like that just seems a lot more fair, where it switches you know both people. You know you can switch your right. opponent's bench Pokemon, and then and then you have to switch one of yours. And um, I think that overall makes the card a lot more fair because you need, of course, an extra card in that combo yes. to switch back in. Um, yeah, for sure. I think that sure. card is a lot more fine than boss orders, but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get escape rope, which will be interesting, right. and that won't be a supporter. So, who knows? Maybe we'll see a lot of people like we could see a dive away from bosses and maybe into more escape rope combinations and stuff. So, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah well, the time will tell. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I guess before we go into any more like just the actual gameplay and deck profiles or anything like that, we really want to talk about the organized play. Um, so I know you kind of. Uh, talked about it briefly on your intro, um, but how exactly did you start um, yourself into like creating these tournaments and how does one go about to actually get these tournaments up and running on um, the Limitless site? Right. Uh, so for me, it was a bit different. So when we started, um, and just to give somebody a bit of reference, I believe our first tournament that we ran on the Limitless, the Play.Limitless platform mm-hmm. was either Chill Series 8 or Chill Series 9. I think it was 8. Uh, yeah, so we actually eight. had it was eight. Yeah, so we had actually done like seven before then that were on. Um, uh, they were on Battlefy, I believe, was the yeah. website. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was it's it was it was a fine website to organize uh, events. Like the platform worked very well. It just was a lot harder to uh, promote and sort of distribute your tournament to people. Um, and uh, we that's sort of how I got started. So what what I actually did, and it's embarrassing now, um, but people still laugh about it to this day. Is I um, I kind of invested. So I, I think I. I bought like a hundred online codes mm-hmm. um, to put into the prize pool. Um, and uh, it, it, you know, I didn't ask for anything for people to play, right. There was no entry fee or anything. Um, okay. And it was really just to entice people to play. And what I did was I DM'd like 200 people, like just, just direct message them on discord. And I was <laughs> like, Hey, like I have a tournament and you should, you should play in it. You know, this is the prize pool. It's free to play. Um, and I start created my server. Um, again, I had no idea what I was doing, but, uh, I, you know, my, my thing was like, I wanted to, to create a tournament. I wanted to like create a space where people could play competitively. Um, cause it was just something that I wanted to do. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of just kept it, kept it up and, and, uh, slowly got better and better at doing it. But, uh, for me, that was how the first one started. And it was, I don't recommend anybody do that. I don't, <laughs> I wouldn't say that they should just, you know, DM a bunch of people they don't know and ask them to play. But, um, I mean, now, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, to, he, he grew a community. Like, yeah, go ahead, Jake. You, yeah, it, it worked. And to be honest, I kind of do the same thing when it comes to like trying to find guests here, where I just DM them, like I've DM'd you, just like you didn't know who I was, and 
and you know you re, uh, you responded so i mean that's kind of how i've got most of this so, so i don't know this community seems really really open it is yeah i mean it's a bit different like i obviously like i knew you guys' podcast and i listened to it and stuff um so yeah so i mean like it's i guess it was a little bit i mean it's different if if you're like you know kind of established in some sense mm-hmm. uh, whereas me like i nobody knew like had any idea right like Sure. Like it wasn't even a thing before that. So it was just randomly some dude like messaging people. Like, I mean, I guess that's how it looked, but um, it turned out good. So, um, but... yeah, well, I, I think what I, I think a lot of people don't understand when it comes to like tournament organizing and, you know, Jake and I in previous games that we've played and stuff, it's the, the passion behind the person actually wanting to do it is so critical. Yes. It, it's not just, and, and again, like, we're we run our own smaller events locally and we try to do our things there but we like i said we've seen in other games there's a big difference when it's just here's here's the pool here's the prize pool go play we'll have a winner and then everyone moves on and like we'll do this again next month uh and you know you're like okay like the not not just the way you're promoting yourself but you're very involved and you're very friendly about it and i think that's again that's one of the key things is you make it such a community style um that the involvement there is so welcoming it's so open to just like i like i i i think the last one i played in i didn't do that great in it but i was like you know that's okay i'm i just had fun like i just actually had fun i didn't feel like i went there and uh you know ran into someone and you know uh you know they made a comment and it got snide and stuff. Everyone was just like, oh man, you had a rough hand or like, you know, just the back and forth interaction that you kind of get um, with it within your tournament. It made it in that much more enjoyable that it made it feel like I was playing in a fun local event, but yeah. with a large group of people. So um, it's impressive. It's very point is It's very impressive of what you've built and how you've grown that. And it, it shows Thank yeah. I mean, I I appreciate that, bro. It's I mean, and it's and it's different too because when we when I tried to start it, I guess, um, and I guess it's different from other people's events in some sense. Um, you know, the name is is actually just it's chill TCG, right? So the whole idea is, you know, it, you want it to be competitive. You want people to play and try to win, but it's it's really just an opportunity to to play the game that you like to play, to have fun, um, meet new people, and and just overall have a good time, right? So I think that that's important, and I think people mm-hmm. kind of understand that when they play too, which is really good. Yeah. To, to add what uh, Nick said, um, you know, there was a, a tournament uh, probably about a month or so ago that it was, you know, one of your Wednesday night chill events and myself, Nick and our, our uh, whimsy watch Chuck, he like we all just kind of jumped on discord and we're playing our matches and just like hanging out. And it was uh, the most fun I've had um, on any online um, tournament for sure. It was like, you know. Um, playing at the local store, just hanging out with buddies and, and playing your games and then playing your opponents. Like, like Nick said, they're everybody's super chill and, you know, talk to them back and forth. Everything's friendly. Um, so it is so important just for the community uh, and for the game to stay alive, to have these community events uh, and have experiences like we did. Um, Cause just so much fun to play and hang out with friends. Yeah. And, and you give us the opportunity to do that. So I, uh, I want to thank you for sure for that. Yeah, for sure, bro. I mean, like, I I really appreciate you saying that, and that's, you know, that's the the most that I could possibly ask for with what I do, um, mm-hmm. and and I think when people, and I'll actually go back to the question too, because I think part of it was, you know, how do people get into to running the tournaments? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know necessarily now exactly how it would be, because I know there, if you go on Limitless, there's just tons of tournaments of of people 
um, all over the place, people that you might have not heard of, tournaments that are maybe just, you know, you've never seen before, but there's tons of them out there. Um, and I believe you have to contact people from Limitless and you have to get an organizer's account. Um, and then you just, you know, you go ahead and, and you build the tournament um, on the website and stuff and people can register. But honestly, I feel like at this point, anybody can can message them, right? And, and maybe yeah. start that process to run their own tournament. Um, and uh, I don't feel like it's it's different now, right? Because now we have this amazing platform of Limitless to, yes. to not only you know, run your tournaments on, but to promote your tournaments and have it up there on the page for everyone to see. It's, uh, it's definitely a huge advantage. So, um, you know, I, I, we owe at chill TCG, we owe a lot to limitless for sure. Um, but, um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> what was the, yeah, no, but even, even still like, uh, you know, you surrounded yourself with a team of individuals. Could you, do you want to talk about those individuals that help you yeah. admin and approach these? And like, you know, when it comes to tournament organizer play, you know, we have one guy who does it, our head professor Zach, and he does a lot because uh, all of us kind of sit in the dark. But you know, as I, I call you the head person on this, um, you know, who like what did you do? How do you you know manage that team? Because I think this is important from a TCG standpoint as a player to understand like what's this team doing uh, and why this your tournaments run so smooth. Yeah, uh, and I think that's so important. Uh, whenever you do something like this, it's always great to have as many people who are knowledgeable and and also sort of you know um, people who who are interested in helping, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's definitely a few people, and we have a lot of different admins, so I'm not gonna. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll mention a few people that are extremely important. Um, one of them, and one of the first people was Isaiah Santiago. So Corolo, he runs his own tournament series as well. Yeah, uh, he was somebody that kind of like you know I became friends with. Um, and gave me some advice and he was always there to help if I needed him. So, you know, that was always very, very helpful. Um, Thomas Brophy, you might know him as a player. He's a, a, a <laughs> yeah, we had him on last player. week. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Awesome. And he so, said his favorite card was a uh, welder and yours is the, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So Thomas is somebody who, of course, he's a fantastic player, but knows a lot about events as well. Um, so whenever we need help, he's there to help. Um, he's definitely sort of like the second in command, I would say at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and then uh, also uh, Jake, um, Nagi, as some of you, some people might know him, he's he's the guy that um, sort of at this point runs the Hexter tournaments. Um, so oh, he's somebody, okay. yeah, he's somebody with a lot of experience who's always there to help us uh, for sure if we need. Um, and those are kind of like the the three people that probably have influenced the tournament the most. But yeah. I have so many just great admins, and at this point, um, everything is is primarily like, and I'm not trying to say like I do it all or anything, but primarily. Right, it is sort of just just my um, my job every week. So uh, you know, I'll build the tournament page. I'll accept all the packs. Um, you know, I'll I'll be there all night, making sure you know, handling judge calls and making sure all the matches go well. So for the most part, I would say like 90 percent or more is just sort of me being there all night um, and all day, making sure everything goes properly. Um, and then of course, I do all of the YouTube stuff and make all the graphics as well. So it's very much sort of a one man job, but the, all the admins are there for advice. Um, if I need to ask them questions or if I need sort of help with judge calls or, or accepting entry fee packs, I have, I have admins that are there to help as well. And, and the discord is something that's, that's obviously, you know, takes a lot of work as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and anybody who runs the tournament knows or plays in a tournament knows that there's, there's always the discord server filled with people asking questions and <laughs> coming to you with issues. Rapid right? fire so, questions. <laughs> yeah, right. For sure. So the admins help a lot with discord stuff for sure. Awesome. Um, another one is is sorry is is uh, Kaiser Scorch too. 
Um, and he's um, uh, just somebody who has had experience running tournaments of uh, all over the place, right? I think he was somebody who was involved with Pog 2020. Um, he's been a uh, help with Hexter, Chill. Like he's a very talented um, and, and well um, well organized person that is always also always there to help. So yeah, very I mean cool. that's. Kind of it's a solid team. That is a yeah. that is a very solid team, and, and that's why you're just that's, you're only highlighting a few there, and it's like wow, <laughs> you know. So it's impressive, very very impressive there. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you, you so you you put these all these videos, you put the st- you get all this information, you put those graphics and stuff and everything there. Um, you know, when it comes to the tournament side of things, so you know, uh, as you're as you're running them between tournaments, uh, you know, are you trying to do certain things? Like, are you, like, what are you always trying to look to either improve or, you know, just, again, this is, this is information for those who are interested in running tournaments themselves. Um, you know, that's why we're kind of asking these questions. The, uh, that, that kind of understanding, like, how do you evaluate the success of the, of the tournament? Yeah. Uh, so I mean, for us, we our goal is always to 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 bring the experience into the tournament to as many people as we possibly can. Um, and I think most tournaments sort of gauge their success on how many players play. And I'm not saying that that's not a you know a good way to gauge your success because there's other mm-hmm. factors as well. Um, for us, you know, of course, yeah, we we try to get as many people to play as we can every week. That's important to us. Um, but at the same time, we want to make sure that um, everything is run properly, um, everything's fair, and people people's experience goes well. Um, so I, I mean, I, I suppose every week we try to just expand. We try to get as many players as possible, um, and um, and uh, we try to make it as good of an experience as, as we can for everybody. But you know, for us, it's it's more so just sort of being there every week for players uh, who, who who need to be there or or really want to be there. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, if some weeks we get three hundred, and then some weeks we get two hundred, uh, you know, it's not a big deal because there's are, there's a lot of factors that go that go into it um, in terms of how many people play. Like I know recently the Players Cup started, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And since everyone's playing their Players Cup stuff, a lot of people um, aren't playing in sort of these weekly online events as much. Um, and uh, you know we've seen the numbers dip a lot in this past week for a lot of the online events, and that's that's totally fine. Um, and and it doesn't mean that the events aren't successful, right? It just means that. Um, you know, there's other things going on in the in the community, which is totally cool. So I, I guess uh, we try to gauge our success by just sort of being there um, mm-hmm. and consistently running quality events every week. And and um, you know, just yeah, I think it, as a, a for a player, it's it's awesome and very important to have just something that's consistently there that you can continually count on um, to be there. Um, right. So yeah, it's just, it's just awesome that you guys do that. But um, that, speaking, that, oh, real quick, Jake, uh, that that like that's the thing. Like it's it's just one of those, you know, Players Cup is an official event, and that's something I wanted to compare how you kind of see that. It's just, you know, with with Players Cup three coming around now, and you, you're saying there's already some dips and stuff, but you know, like you know, again. It's just to me right now. I again, I have such a rough attitude about Players Cup three as it's going on right now that it feels so good that I can go to uh, one of your or you know another tournament event too. That's just like this is this is what I'm expecting uh, rather than single elimination right off the bat. So yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it, it's just it's just it's nice that these do exist. That's kind yeah. of just kind no, of like yeah. I mean, for sure. Uh, 
I have a lot to say about Players Cup. We can get into it a bit later. Yes, that's actually yeah. kind of where I wanted to go. Um, yeah. And then yeah. Nick cut me off there. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, but yeah, I, yeah, you know, the community um, run events like like yourself and all the other ones, um, I think is definitely super important to keep this kind of uh, just the TCG community um, engaged and alive. Um, but yeah, let's go into the, you know, official events, the, the Players Cup and the team events. I want to kind of get your take on those and how you feel about those um, at the moment and kind of going forward once uh, IRL's play starts again, kind of how you think that's going to affect things. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I guess to start it off, I'll go right into the Players' Cup. So mm-hmm. um, as somebody who, who loves to play the game, like I'll play the Pokemon TCG as much as I can. I love playing it. Um, I know that myself, I'm not as experienced as a lot of these players online are. And, and I'm just, you know, I'm not that great, right, in, in terms of the, the grand scheme of things as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, um, my only gripe with Players' Cup is this qualification period. Um, it's, you know, like uh, like you guys said, it's it's best of one single elimination. You get 50 keys. Um, and it's just so easy to have bad luck uh, for an extended period of time in these in these in these sort of qualifier events to where, um, you know, I'm not saying skill isn't involved. Of course, if you're a great player, you're much more likely to qualify than if you're not. Um, but I think that, um, you know, the way that the format is, the way that the game is right now, there's so many matchups that you just automatically probably lose to, yeah. um, which you can run into in the first round. Uh, you can just draw poorly, right, and just kind of, you know, brick and right. and lose that first round. Uh, there's just so many factors to where best of one just doesn't feel great if it's single elimination like that. Yeah, um, so sure. I have a lot of issues with the qualifying period. Um, uh, so I, before we go on uh, past the qualifying, just kind of talking about what you just said, as far as like a lot of luck stuff does kind of come up. Um, and I've kind of noticed in the last week um, leading up to Players' Cup and then actually playing in Players' Cup where I'm getting a lot uh, a lot more consistent bad starting hands, like a supporting Pokemon with like two bosses orders and a bunch of energies or, or you know, unplayable cards. I've had, I had like six um bad hands like that in span of 24 hours and they were all in players cup have you noticed the uptick in that or is that just kind of (laughs) something maybe random i don't yeah i i kind of have to be fair uh i mean i i try to and when players cup i try to play and knowing this right that it's best Mm -hmm. of one and single elimination i tried to go into it uh with sort of max consistency builds of decks yes and uh, even still, yeah, I mean, my luck has, has been pretty poor. Um, and I know not everybody's luck is going to be that bad, but for yeah. me, it's it's definitely been real bad. Yeah. What what's yeah. weird? What's weird for me in uh, in a few games, like I've come against a couple mirror matches of uh, Scorch because I've been playing that, and we both had bad starts. Like it wasn't yeah. even like oh, you know, like just you know, a win or loss of those games for me. It's like you know. He started one time. My opponent started with the Dene, and then I started with a Crobat. <laughs> or you know, so it's so just it's like not even an issue starting with Crobat or Dene. It's just like not having another out to it, like a right, supporter right. or a, another Dene or Crobat or and, something. And, and, and you know, this this brings me like brings me to my point of is is the kind of a weird state mindset of the game right now, and how this relates to playing your events and how it going into um, how you want to have your events treated um you know do you feel that like because it's really actually ptcgo as a client itself that's driving people nuts rather than the game of uh, the state of the game that we are in right now yeah um i, I mean i think ptcgo 
obviously has its problems. Like I'm not going to say it's a perfect client, um, mm-hmm. but it is our sort of our only way to play. And realistically, like as long as your game doesn't crash, which does happen sometimes, like sometimes mm-hmm. like the server issues and, and stuff like that can be really poor. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, it's, it's a fair client. It, it works, you know, pretty well most of the time. Um, it's not as updated as we would like, but in terms of just sort of a place where you can match up and play your match in a tournament, um, for the most part, it's, it's entirely fine. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I don't know, you know, it's, yeah, I, I, some people I have a lot that. of issues. Yeah. With PTCGO. I mean, for me as an organizer, I get to see the worst of it every week, <laughs> uh, the worst that it has to offer. But for the most part, I, I'm not too upset with PTCGO. I think it's, you know, as for a tournament as like we, like we have, it's, it's, it's not terrible. Yeah, for sure. So sorry about another tangent. We seem to be going on a long tangents today. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we're a player's cup. Uh, we, you know, we have our issues with the single elimination, but uh, how do you feel about the rest of it? I think the rest of it's totally cool. Um, I think that, uh, you know, for the people that do qualify um, and they move on to sort of the, the double elimination, like I think it's, you know, you play regionals, right. Or um, mm-hmm. in your region. Um, and then the, the top people from the region go and they play in the, sort of the bigger bracket um right. and uh, i think that it's good for the for, for definitely for those players because uh, there's different i think there's like two or three phases so people get to switch their decks if they need to um yep. i think it's best of three double elimination so it's it's much more um you know real tournament like at that point um and and i think it's much more fair i think that it's necessary though for them to have a very sort of cruel and, and harsh uh, in a way uh, qualification period right because you can't have just everybody qualifying yeah, right. and I understand that. And if they had a better way to do it, then I'm sure they would do it, right? But yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's a such a large number. They're not. They're not doing what you're doing right now. You have this major event coming up, and you know you're doing these weekly tournaments that lead up to it. So they're missing out. I mean, maybe maybe your approach is like maybe this is the, the better approach is you sign up for the tournaments and that maybe that's why I like the tag team qualifier. I'm more excited about right. that. Yeah. Um because it's similar playing a bunch of local events, build the team together, you know, and then from there evolve. So, you know, I look forward to those ones uh, also. Yeah, I think that they're they're very cool. Yeah. So the team event, um, are you participating in that? Um, and how's that kind of going? Yeah, okay. So I, I actually haven't been able to participate in any of the team challenge events. Uh, where I live, I live very much sort of in, in the far northeast, uh, mm-hmm. in, the, in the middle of nowhere, some people would say. Um, so, And I know it's, it's not needed to be sort of, um, you know, integrated with a, an actual local game store. In a sense, to play in these team challenges, you can play in a game store from across the country and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I just personally haven't really gotten too much into it. And, and part, part of that is also because I'm just so busy with, um, you know, college and, and sort of the YouTube stuff, running the tournaments every week. Um, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of stuff going on. So I haven't dove into it as much as I would like to, but I do recognize that the, the team challenge events are very, very cool. Yeah, I, I feel that it's kind of similar um, feel to like your tournament, like I was saying earlier, where, um, you know, like, the three of us were hanging out talking um, during the tournament. Um, it, we kind of have that feel where once, you know, the team is kind of starting to solidify, we're already kind of talking strategies and, and deck list and all that kind of stuff, like each player's strength and weakness. And it, it is just kind of a, a cool added little layer to it. Um, I know the team tournament, some people aren't taking it seriously and it's not supposed to be like a serious event, but I, I do appreciate the, te- the, the Pokemon bringing this out there too. Yeah. 
No, for sure, man. I, and I think those events are also great to have. Like, obviously, the Players' Cup, there's a lot on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you do qualify, like, you could potentially be playing against some of the best in the world. Yeah. Um, and uh, I would say the Players' Cup, for the most part, is a very serious and a very, um, you know, high-quality event, other than those qualifying rounds, which are almost, uh, you know, definitely too much based on, on having good luck. Um, but for the most part, if you make it through that, that grueling process, then yeah, you're, you're, you're in the thick of it and it's definitely a legitimate, um, tournament and a, in a, in a good process. So, um, I'm excited to see how it goes. I know I'm on, I, I run a podcast with the players cup two champion, one of the best players mm-hmm. in the world, Zach Lesage. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it speaks a lot, um, that, uh, you know, somebody like that is able to kind of go through and, and win the whole thing, right. It, it does show that uh you know the best players are winning these these players cup events because it does in the end it will come down to who who are the better players right we had such a fun time when we had him on and him talking about that because it to us we were like wow like it's just an unbelievable achievement to do and you know i you know i we try to stress it we try to stress it a lot that like it doesn't matter if it's online it's a big deal like that that was players cup winning that was very important um you know, or very very well done for you know top level play and just also you know even even your events too even all any of the online events winning these online events isn't a joke in terms of these are these are not you know you're facing some good players yours are relaxed and we can have fun and we can have a good time during it and we can laugh during them but like at the same yeah. time like you said it's they're still they're competitive they're uh, uh, yeah and yeah. you know i i you know we've heard some talks on line about how like well people you know the, well that was an online when it's not that it's not that skillful <laughs> it's like no that's that's not true at all <laughs> the, the are, same decision making processes come up in online games as they do in irl Right. Yeah. I mean, yes, it's automated, but I mean, I don't think that you know it should diminish your decision making uh, skills or you know what you've accomplished on there. So right, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, we can sorry, we can weigh on that a little bit if you'd like. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Sure. Please, yeah, I'd like to hear your thoughts because uh, yeah. I know this has been kind of going around. This is like what three weeks of this now, and <laughs> I, I don't understand why this is. Who brought this up and why it's sticking around? I, yeah, it definitely, I think, came one of those things that came up on Twitter and then everybody, like, sparked a debate on it. Like, much much like the, what always happens on Twitter. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think that, you know, if you're playing in an online tournament with 200 people from around the world, um, they're all playing, you know, online in PTCGO, I don't feel like it, it's, it's, it's any sort of less uh, legitimate than winning sort of an IRL, t- you know, 200-player tournament of any sense, which is a decent-sized tournament. Yeah. Um, especially if these go up to like 300, 400 players, you know, it's very legitimate win. The only, the only difference that I would say um, is that, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, we can run, you know, there's, there might be two or three tournaments every day, all week, right. Every week uh, for these online events. So for the people that play in every day, multiple tournaments, just, just playing all the time. Um, I feel like overall getting a win in one of these online tournaments, of course, would mean less than, you know, during an actual uh, IRL season where, you know, maybe they just have a regional uh, every other week yeah um so you know there's a much smaller sample size of, of irl events when this real season's going on um and for that reason i understand sort of what people mean by that you know if, if you win you know four online events in a week it's different than winning like four regional championships right because um maybe all you're doing is playing in online events every day so i understand it from that point of view uh but from a uh, in a vacuum you know a direct correlation one event to another event um i don't i don't think it's you know, it, it deserves that much uh, less credit. 
What's yeah. funny? What's funny is I see that it's almost the opposite in a way where it's like you just won four out of a hundred events that might have happened in one day. That's really impressive. And if you participated in like ten of them in a week, that's really impressive. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. You know, like that's to me, it's just that's unbelievable. That's why, like, when we had Thomas on, you know, this is the kid that's kicking everyone's butt, uh, and he consistently is kicking everyone's butt. Right. Uh, right. You know, people are it's they're they're saying it's ADP. It's really Thomas uh, and Cashman, <laughs> and you know, there's a few names out there you have to learn how to beat <laughs> if you have a yeah. chance. So, so um, I would. I would say, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, the skill level to win these events are, are, you know, just the same. I think it's maybe just a little less on the line because when IRL play does come about, you know, you are traveling and spending money, uh, but that still doesn't um, take away from what it takes to actually win the event. It just, you know, they're not. You're not going to be right. playing in as many, but right. And I think that's another big part of it too. Is you know, with these online or when these real life events are going on. Um, it's a much different sort of category of players who are traveling across the country, mm-hmm. across the world, you know, paying for plane tickets and whatnot to go to these, you know, these IRL events. Um, so for the most part, you get a, you get a, a wide collection of of dedicated players um, who who are very much you know professional in how they play. Whereas with online, you might get a very large collection of of you know teenagers or young adults who who you know aren't typically able to go to a lot of these irl events but are able to play in all these online events Mm -hmm. um and so the the, definitely the collection of players is a bit different um but for the most part i think that the the people's skills are still there you know and if a lot of these you know if if a lot of these online players were able to go across the country all the time to play in these these real life events they would see success i think but yeah I agree. I actually going into this, like if uh, once IRL play does open, it gives people like myself um, more of a chance to actually win because you're, you're having your Thomas Brophies of the world that are arguably, uh, you know, tops in, in the world right now. And they're may not be able to play just because of finances or schedule or school or, you know, right. Whatnot. Right. So honestly, <laughs> yeah, I win, but like, well, yeah, they're still going to be, you'll still have your Zach Lasages of the world, but you're not going to have, you know, a good half of the, you know, the really up and coming skilled players. So honestly, if anything, it might make it more impressive to win online than it does online. Um, just on a skill point portion. I mean, I know there's less stakes and less money involved in IRL, but it might actually still, you, you're, you might be paying to win maybe kind of a mindset kind of a thing. Cause this, the, the field is a little weaker. Yeah. I mean, it, and it's, you know, it's, it's always, it's always kind of up to interpretation. You know, I think that you can make all these comparisons mm-hmm. uh, you can try to put them up against each other, but they're different. It's, it's just a different game. It's a different world. It's a yeah. different collection of players. And, and um, I, I, I don't feel necessarily that that you should discredit anyone's success in anything ever. Yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> you know, there's just nothing good that's going to come out of that. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's interesting too because when with these online events, you you do see, um, and much like the IRL sort of season where you see the same you know 15, 20 people consistently doing very well yep. in all of these online events, and that kind of shows right who the best players are because they're consistently doing well. People like Thomas, uh, who are always placing high and, and doing well in in every event. Because they are great players, you know? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So, all right, before we move on from tournament talk here, uh, there's just two other questions I want to kind of ask you. In, in the future, since we know 2021, mm, no on I, IRL that's going on. That's kind of already pretty much been established. Um, so, but come 2022, you know, 
first and foremost, do you how how do you feel that when that comes around? How that's going to impact chill play uh, as a whole, like online play as a whole, with IRL coming up? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I've I've thought a lot about this, and it's one of those things where you just kind of have to wait and see. But if I had to guess, um, you know, I think there's a few different scenarios that could play out. Um, of course, you know, when IRL events come back, you know, I would understand if the amount of people playing consistently these online events were to go down. I think that makes total sense. Um, you know, people are going to their local game stores and playing. People are going to regionals um, and stuff like that. So that the player base might drop when IRL events come back. But part of me also feels like, you know, since this this online community has been growing and, and been sort of uh, the main outlet for players for such a long time now during the pandemic, that it's almost become um, its own thing, right? And it's it was created during the pandemic, but just because the pandemic goes away doesn't mean that this will go away, you know? And maybe, you know, in a small category, but I think at this point, um, things are so well established that uh, even when IRL co- events come back, they'll be, um, they'll, you know, there's still going to be this online sort of world uh, of players and, um, you know, online community of people who play PTCGO competitively. And I think that, um, if I had to guess, I would say that the numbers might go down a little bit, uh, but for the most part, I think that we're still going to get these these players uh, playing, you know, once a week and and competing online. I think that, you know, I, I don't I don't see it disappearing uh, personally. I, I don't mm-hmm. think that that people are going to stop playing. Um, but I guess you know, for us, for Chill TCG, if the numbers were to go down uh, so low to the point where you know we just don't have enough players to really run an event every week, then maybe we won't do events. But uh, for the most part, as long as people are still playing. Um, even if it's half as many people, uh, we're still we're still here to run the events for them. Yeah. And do you feel, um, you know, when the pandemic ends that, you know, Pokemon, you know, should or will um, have some kind of online um, like regionals, maybe not every day where something that you can actually get CP through online events? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I I think that would be extremely cool. Um you know, part of me wishes that they would sort of incorporate some of these independent TOs, like, you know, people uh, like the Chill or the, the Hexters of the world, yeah. um, and try to get us involved, you know, because we're here to help, and, and people with experience running online events, I feel like that would be, a, you know, good for them to do. Uh, but I know that um, it's come up, I think Jaroshan mentioned it on one of our podcasts. Yeah. If Pokemon were to come out, reach out to us and say, hey, like, we're willing to offer actual CP for your tournaments and, and for your, um, you know, for your events and your players... Um, I think that would be phenomenal. And I think that that's probably one of the best things that they could do if the IRL yeah. season were to come back. I, I think it would be great for, you know, the Pokemon company, the players, you guys, everybody involved, um, if they did that. And even if they were to do their own official things, but maybe like bring you in, like, you know, the established people that run all these chills and hexters and, and whatnot, and maybe just bring you guys in and, you know, give you kind of a cut of something and kind of the same deal. That would be awesome for just the community in large i think yeah me too man i think like that would be super that would be awesome like i would be if pokemon were to reach out to me at all about any sort of events i would be ecstatic you know i'd be like this is awesome right? well so, if they do online stuff and they don't they're they're missing out because uh <laughs> you know you're running a really good operation over there so yeah yeah no yeah. honestly that was that was my gonna be my next question it was all about you know the integration of posts in a weird way and part of the reason why i wanted to bring it up is i thought again there's as as you said this is perfect opportunity for them to keep juniors and the the senior level players have a way to play against each other across the country and and across countries 
Um, and so that, you know, this again, they can't travel as much, but if you give them an, an outlet to play online and, and including the masters, a chance to play online and have that impact how they might play in IRL again, that all that can be combined together in such a way that we, you know, you, you get to, you get to see that you get to see people who are like, you know what, I'm going to actually travel for this event now because I've, shown myself effective online i can be out there um so i think I, I personally i think pokemon can't miss this opportunity to you know use this to their advantage to keep the player base strong and yeah. they should <laughs> they should reach out to you <laughs> and as jake and i know with our one game x-wing they didn't reach out to the online community and, and they, yeah <laughs> they, they, it's basically dead and it's online community the online community group is keeping it alive but it's barely hanging on by a thread um right yeah, so. yeah. i uh, i mean i agree and I, if if they were to come to me like that would be my main selling point is like you know such a big part of the player base um and sort of the the target audience is is you know young adults and and people yeah. who are younger um and we have so many of those players who are competing every week and and a lot of them are really really great players mm-hmm. um, and i'm sure if they had the opportunity to to travel like if you know if they were to win a trip like like mm-hmm. like i know the winner does for players cup like i'm sure i'm sure it would be really great for them and i think um i think pokemon has nothing to lose by doing that all right well uh i think that's gonna about do it for our tournament talk or organization talk so thank you again chill for uh going through a lot there's a lot of details a lot of tangents there but right now we have to take a small break and go to our weekly whimsy watch hey guys welcome to another whimsy watch we have another week of tournaments to look at so let's start breaking it down now this week was an off week for many tournaments so there was not as many results as we had in previous weeks but we still had plenty of things to look at Our biggest pool of players was at chill number 18 this week with 196 players. This was won by Michelle Babin with Eternatus uh, using a Yvital Goon Spirit Tomb build. The top three in the standings were all Eternatus decks, all three being non-poison variants. So, food for thought on that. Let's look at this tournament's meta breakdown. 18% of the decks were ADP. 15% 15% were Eternatus builds, 11% of them were Scorch, and then 9% Picaron builds. Now let's move ahead and look at the Hegsters number 24 on Friday of the past week. This had 109 players and had a star-studded top three. Thomas Brophy with Scorch took third, and Mitch from the Sableyes and Vitor Lugon faced off in an all-Picaron final with Vitor prevailing. That's one of multiple times I've seen Vitor take down a large tournament with Picaram. Let's see what the field looked like. ADP had 17% of the meta share, Eternatus builds 16% of the share, Luke Metal came in at 15% of the share in this tournament, and then Picaram fourth place at 12% of the share. So let's see what our meta breakdown was for the whole week of tournaments we looked at. Uh, the whole week long, ADP had 16% of the meta share, as well as Eternatus taking 16% of the meta share. Picarom came in at 11% of the meta share, and Senescorch and Luke Metal both coming in at 10%. 
Now, ADP and Eternatus had a near dead even percentage of the meta share, but Eternatus was the deck winning tournaments this week. These top five continue to be the top five decks in format, so keep planning accordingly. Lastly, I wanted to go over the huge 490 player limitless online series major that had ADP banned as well. The meta share was dominated by Eternatus with 15% and Pikaram at 13%. And still, the meta was still over half the field being the big four decks not banned in this format, aka Eternatus, Pikaram, Senescorch, Luke Metal. The only meta share in seeing any significant increase in this format was Mad Party and Excadrill, with Excadrill sporting a solid winning percentage as well as making the final, but ultimately losing to a Senescorch deck. With this being the end of January, we shall see if Limitless will still continue to ban ADP in their tournaments or not, so we'll see if they revisit that. What do you listeners think? Did the ADP ban do enough for you so far? Does it need more time? Let me know what you think over at Watch Whimsy on Twitter. And that's going to wrap up this week's Whimsy Watch. Now back to Nick and Jake. Thanks, Chuck. All right. So now I kind of want to go into, you know, how you started your podcast, The Yellhorn, um, and kind of see how you, you know, hooked up with uh, Zach, because I know you said you've only been playing this game for about a year. So how'd that friendship come around? Um, and how did the podcast idea, like, really form? Yeah, uh, it's funny. It's, it's, it's mo- probably, I would say, mostly just out of coincidence. Um, you know, as somebody who quickly kind of got into the community. There's a, there's a, there's a big group of, of, of people um, who are very commonly, you know, running these tournaments, playing these, these events. It's kind of weird to say, but there is like a, uh, we're all kind of this big group of friends. So like mm-hmm. all, most of these tar- uh, tournament organizers and most of these high level players in these events uh, that consistently do well are all friends in this big group um, and, and all, across these different discord servers. Um, so it was only a matter of time before, uh, you know, of course I, um, you know, ended up in a call with Zach and and started playing other games with him, po- playing Pokemon with him, playing uh, just, you know, just sort of hanging out um, late at night, doing whatever. Um, so it was one of those things, I believe, if I had to say, uh, I guess, yeah, we were, you know, just in a call together, uh, just kind of got to know each other. Uh, one thing that me and Zach have, have been doing for a while is like just playing Fortnite together. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. um, we're both the terrible Fortnite players <laughs> it's, just, it's just fun like we just hop in play and just kind of chat do whatever um and of course we collaborated on some on a few videos uh because you know we were both trying to get into content creation so that was sort of something that we had in common mm-hmm. um and then i think eventually uh, zach was the one with an idea where it was like you know we should just like do a podcast like myself as a high level competitive player and then you know you who's who's somebody who's um you know running the tournaments and stuff we both come from two different sides of the same coin um, and the dynamic sounded pretty cool at the time. So we just kind of, you know, I was like, yeah, that sounds cool to me. Um, we got into it. We thought of a name, uh, got the logo made and, and just sort of went right into it, man. Awesome. That's very kind of similar to Nick and I, at least as far as the um, opposite sides of the coin, because I, I, he's more of like um, content creation mm-hmm. and, and organize, uh, organizing play and all that kind of stuff. And I've always been more, a little bit more of the competitive player. Um, yeah. although I'm not nearly to the level of Zach, cause I've only <laughs> been in the game for just over a year. Yeah. Um, 
uh, it got Nick as well, but uh, it, it very kind of similar uh, stories as far as that kind of goes. Yeah, yeah. man, that's yeah. always the best. Like, you know, it's it's good when, and I'm not saying if, if two high-level players were on a podcast together, it wouldn't be great. Like, I'm sure that would yeah. also be really cool. No, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the dynamic is is always super cool. Like, just, I mean, yeah. we can't we can't not uh, mention uh, tag team there because they're they're both high level players. They are, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. It's very good point. Yeah, they they're both very good players, and uh, but yeah, I mean that's why it's just uh, you know you guys have a, such an awesome dynamic while you're talking, and I enjoy it. I've been I've been listening since the first episode. You know, Zach yep. told us about it when we interviewed him, and I've been hooked. I sit there at work and I put you on YouTube and I listen to you there. Um, and it's wonderful. Uh, so, you know, you guys yeah. bring a really good take on the game and uh, it's something that I look forward to every time. I'm, I'm actually a little behind. I'll be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> <That's> so, <all good. laughs> but the, uh, yeah, so I, I keep, keep it up. Keep, you know, I know you guys are ultra busy, so yeah. it's impressive uh, yeah. doing it all. I appreciate, I appreciate it. For me, it's easy because I do manufacturing. So I just, you know, whenever any of these podcasts come up, I just, you know, plug it in and get, get going. So it's awesome to have another awesome podcast to listen to. And, um, quite frankly, I know maybe, uh, every, every single podcast is awesome, but you guys have quickly become my favorite one to listen to, um, out of all of the, uh, competitive TCG, um, podcasts that we have out there. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I really, I really appreciate that. I love doing it. So it's, you know, even something like this, man. It's, yeah. it's, it's also really fun to be on a podcast that's not your own podcast. <laughs> yeah, for being sure. a guest <laughs> is fun. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, so we, you brought this up earlier ago, and I want to kind of bring this up since, it's, but Orbeetle, what's the fascination with Orbeetle, <laughs> um, and and like the appeal of playing that deck. Uh, so it kind of became a meme at one point. Like uh, I know when Vivid Voltage came out, I was like, I was just super hype on Orbit. I was like, this card is good. Everyone was like, no, it's not going to be good. Like <laughs> play Colossal, like whatever. I'm like, no, Orbit is really good. Um, and I still believe that to this day. It never, it, it still hasn't taken off. Like with just the influx and the, and the wide variety of welder decks that are successful. Yep. Um, it, to me, it does make sense that Orbital wouldn't be like a high tier deck. And I think if you ask anybody, including Zach, they'll tell you Orbital's not a, a great deck right now in the game. Yeah. Uh, but for me, I, I kind of like the underdog, and I've always been a really f- big fan of grass-type decks and grass-type Pokemon cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and Orbeetle kind of fit that bill. It's like, it's just a little bit different. Uh, it, it's very fun, um, and, it, and and you can also win games with it. Like, I'm not saying it's a terrible deck. Like, you can compete um, and see success with Orbeetle, um, but it's it's one of those things where it's uh, the underdog, and I kind of like the underdog, and it's a little bit different. I also think the Pokemon design is really cool. Uh, yeah. So it's, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so I have, a, I have a, a funny story kind of about Orbeetle. Okay. Um, it was like, I was playing in one of your, your tournaments and I was playing Zach's um, Colossal because it's super consistent. It's fun. It's very awesome. Good. Yeah, very good. List. And I'm skating through the first three rounds and I actually played against Zach and he was playing Picaram and I ended up beating him with his own deck. I know it was because of weakness. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. I was like super pumped and I'm like, yeah, I've got this. I'm 3-0 beat Zach. Like I'm, I'm flying high and what comes up next or beetle <laughs> ruins my day. And then, uh, then I found the went into a loop metal after that, but, uh, or beetle just like, yeah, but shot me from that high all the way that, down. Was, wasn't that that or beetle that like went like top eight or something? Like I, wasn't you had, you had, yeah, we had, like, an, yeah, he yes, was, I think I he got so. like, 
Yeah, he. I think he got top eight. I don't know if he got <laughs> top four or whatnot, but uh, I think his name is. I, I don't know his real name. Uh, his, his tag name is I'm Fluke Obo or, or something of the such. Uh, he's a pheno- like a phenomenal player. Uh, and when he even when he plays other decks, he does very well. Yeah. Um, and definitely was one of the first people, um, you know, and whenever I see a really good Orbital list, I'm all over it. I'm retweeting mm-hmm. it on Twitter. I'm like telling everybody about it. Um, well, you, know. you guys, you guys have such a good pull, too, because like when you and Zach um, post a like you know with colossal jake and i were on top of that in like 20 seconds after the it came out start playing it but my god the ladder on ptcgo just becomes a yeah. lot of what you guys you, you guys post so like here's our top four from last yeah. week boom that's all i see in the ladder yeah um, i mean it's it's a small community you know what i mean so yeah and like i you know there's not that many sort of uh events and i guess that does tie in so like a like when it comes to sort of my content creation it's it's very it's very much based around highlighting the success and sort of the the decks of 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 the players in the community mm-hmm. um and and I, and I know that there's definitely people that appreciate sort of getting that um that kind of that nod right is, yeah. is where you know when a video gets made about your list and when you get first place and the posts get made and then everyone on the ladder starts playing your list it's 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 a good feeling you know what i mean well, yeah, we got a great example of that with uh, Dan Onderko with uh, for Count the Money. You know, he, he got highlighted in his Greedent deck, and now he's like like a regular with us uh, in terms of we play you know pretty decently with him, and he's a part of our group and stuff. And it's just it's so fun because we got to talk to him and learn more about how you know those being able to highlight decks like that that are you know not just roguish and stuff, but the, p- the way people play maybe even even if it's a meta deck that has like a one card difference um you know like the mad parties were going around uh, yeah. for a little bit and then all of a sudden you know like oh mad party is not worth playing and then people are like oh, i'll put a giovanni exile in here oh yes yeah. so smart yeah exactly yes. yeah yeah and it makes a big difference too and and uh a lot of that stuff you know really comes down it's really just like the brainchild of, of a of a testing group of really talented players um i know that uh, for the most part, and even just in the things that we've mentioned, like I can think of three, uh, maybe more decks, deck lists that have come out of sort of the the testing group of Zach Lesage, uh, Danny Altavilla, Gabriel Smart, um, and a few other just absolutely phenomenal players. I think they were the one of the first people to really bring Mad Party um, up in, into the open with a really uh, solidified list. Again, mm. Zach and Gabe and them, you know, created that colossal list that we just talked about. Um, and uh, even this sort of new age Picaram list that, in my opinion, is one of the best decks in the game, the list that Zach used to win, win Players' Cup too. I don't know if people really remember, but before that, people weren't really playing like Mewtwo's and stuff in, in Picaram, and it really put the deck um, on another level. So It's, it's right. just so funny because, uh, like, just for example, the Giovanni's Exiles or even the uh, the Mewtwo Mews in, in Zach's list, um, they seem so obvious once you see them, but <laughs> like, it, 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 but you don't think of it for what months before that, and then somebody finally comes up with it, and you're like, "Wow, why didn't I think of that?" <laughs> uh, right. I, I mean, we saw the evolution of the Mew in, with Electrical. It was very right. interesting because right. it was it was it was not in, and then it was in that Jolteon one, and people were all, like for a while, and people are like, "Huh." Maybe Mew could fit with Picaram, and then yeah. boom, and then it was Picaram with v- uh, Mew and Vikavolt, which is what he did in Players Cup too. And he did one adjustment right after he did that YouTube video right after, and he put in Tapakoku, and now Tapakoku V is in every electrical deck because it is such a great card to have in there with that. Re- it's a great, it's retreat. a very good card. Yeah, that, right. the, and the it, pivot it just, is so good. The pivot yeah. is so good, and the pivot it makes perfect sense. And then it's just like, 
yeah, like like you said, it's just like that's the most that it's just obvious, and it's like no, it's not. <laughs> There's a lot of thought that went into that, and it's just so genius at the same yeah, time. Definitely yeah, a lot of thought, sure. man. One thing I want to give a shout out to, um, and I believe it was on this past limit, like this limitless major that's going on right now. It might have been before. Might have been at Chill Series. I'm not sure, but the um, there's one man. I believe his tag is JJTCG or, or something of the such. Um, he was play playing. Yeah, he was playing on Orbital, right? So of course I'm going to talk about it. If anything <laughs> happens with Orbital, I'm on it. But he was playing um, this uh, this ty- this just single prize basic Tyrogue, uh, one of in his deck. Um, I completely forget that what set it's from. It doesn't even have an attack. It just has this ability. It's called Braddy Kick. Um, mm-hmm. And and what it does is you can end your turn. You flip a coin. Um, and if it's heads, you can deal 30 damage to any of your opponent's Pokemon. Um, and right. uh, and if you do it, your turn ends. But it's just an absolutely ridiculous card um, at the end of the game because, of course, it's a spread deck, right? And the map, yeah. it always comes down to those last few um, damage counters. And uh, Tyrogue, man, I saw that in the deck. I was like, that's genius. I put it in my list and just saw success with it. So that's... Oh, my God. I can just imagine that with the telescopic psych to win the game now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, my. It's so cool. So, uh. cool. <laughs> so before we kind of uh, close up but um, on this, uh, I, I do want you – you do like these spread decks. Um, do you think it's the be- best spread deck going forward, maybe after rotation uh, hits? Uh, or do you think there's other decks that might, uh, you know, take yeah. the limelight when it comes to spread decks at least? Well, you or, know or- – yeah. Even will they see success in general? <laughs> I think I think decks that really just solely focus on spread are are probably a little bit hard pressed to see success. Of course, I'm not like a super um, you know competitive like successful player, mm-hmm. uh, but from what I've seen, like decks that mainly focus on spread are, are typically don't see too much success, and that's why that's why I think that the people uh, who play Orbital and they kind of throw like Toxtricity in there or like the the Weezing in there and they go full in on the spread. Um, I don't think they see as much success as sort of a straight Orbital list because Orbital, people consider it as a spread deck, you know, but it's it's a it's a VMAX Pokemon. It's got 310 HP and its attack is actually pretty impressive as well for two energy. So yes. um, I think that, you know, the spread damage is extremely important, um, but overall it's a math deck and uh, it does have potential to, to hit very well and and its attack is very good as well. So I think Orbital can do a little bit of everything, uh, but for the most part, decks that are just solely focused on spread probably aren't going to do that well as long as single prize archetypes just aren't too relevant right now. Mm-hmm. But um, if they ever do become super relevant, like if Mad Party blows up in the meta, then then yeah, I mean, I think you know everything evolves depending on you know what what pops up. But yeah, for sure, and especially with Welder rotating, you know, in the next. Uh... <sighs> Or that might be it. Yeah, Let's that, go. <laughs> you're ready. You're ready. Let's go. He says. <laughs> I'm hyped. I'm so hyped for that. Awesome. All right. I think that's going to do it for today. We had enough tangents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, Maddie. Thank you again for joining us, and we really appreciate you coming on and just being able to talk about kind of the behind the scenes again. Um, you know, I say this a lot of times too when with our guest is. Each time we have a guest on, we we definitely learn a different aspect of the TCG game, um, and we, we hope you know we hope that it relates back to with a lot of players' understanding of what goes into this game a lot. So there's a lot of love and passion that goes into it, and you know this is such an important aspect of it. So thank you again for always running these events and making them so chill. <laughs> yes, thanks yeah. for coming on. Yeah, thanks, guys, so much. It was it was super fun. Uh, I'll be on anytime whenever you guys want to do it. Definitely. And I guess but, um, before you head out, do you have any uh, plugs or shout-outs you want to throw out there? Uh, yeah. I mean, um, of course, the big one is, is uh, you know, Chill Series. It's um, a weekly standard 
format tournament. We run them every Wednesday night. Uh, they're really fun. It's it's just like you know if you're looking to play any sort of competitive PTZGO, um, just go check it out. Um, you can you can find us on Limitless. You can find us on YouTube, um, Chill TCG on YouTube, where we we make videos um, covering all the events and, and covering the coolest deck lists. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, those are really the only two things. I got a Twitter as well. It's just uh, chill underscore TCG. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's yeah, that's it, man. Just uh, have fun. Keep playing Pokemon. Playing the events if, if you want to. And um, yeah, man. That's, that's awesome. It. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, uh, the listeners, all that will be in the show episode notes. So, um, you know, just check them out there. I'll have them all linked in. Awesome. Thank you again for listening to the Triple P Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at PitPokePod. You can join our Facebook group and Discord server to play and chat all things Pokemon. Check out our YouTube channel and we stream openings, matches, and events on twitch.tv slash Pittsburgh Pokemon Podcast.